So what is it about a Disney story that can make us fall in love, right? There's humor, there's suspense, there's drama, there's excitement, and we just get pulled in and captivated by their stories. Could be the love, it could be when they finally make the march in the victory battle and they find themselves strolling off into the sunset, they've won the battle, they've won the girl, whatever it is, we fall in love with these stories. Now for me, the Bible has the same excitement. And the 4640 pastors have spent the last few weeks talking about the stories of the Bible. They've done story time. They've talked about the Davids, who went from a shepherd boy, the runt of the family, to the king, to do amazing, incredible things. Or Moses, the orphaned boy who murdered someone and then saved an entire nation. Or Joseph. Joseph had it rough. I mean, it was awful, horrible stuff. He was accused of the unthinkable. He was thrown into prison. He was thrown into slavery by his own siblings. But these stories are great. And the end of every single one of them was God's glory. It was the amazing, powerful ending where everything was finally okay. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about a different story. I want to tell you my story. So, I grew up in a fairy tale home. I mean, I had the perfect parents. They were awesome. I had two brothers, Mark and Brad. They were okay. I was the baby of the family. And I'm going to be honest with you guys tonight. I was a little snotty. I was a little bratty. I got what I wanted, but I had the most amazing family. I spent a lot of time camping. I spent a lot of time riding dirt bikes, but I did let my mom polish me up every once in a while and do some of the girlier things in life. But I had the greatest life, so much love, so much happiness, so much amazing things. I went to church. And I loved God. I remember my Bible teacher. She's so awesome. She taught me all the stories in the Bible. And I absolutely fell in love with God. I had the greatest life. But one weekend, one of my brothers, Brad, he went away to college. Okay? And this was the first or the day before my first day of my fourth grade year. Does that make sense? Okay, so what happens is, is Mark and I are still home, Brad's away at college, and we're preparing for this new life without Brad around. So Mark decides that he's going to grab a few friends, and he's going to go up to the monument, and he's going to swim in the potholes. The day before school starts, it was a senior year, he was just going to go have some fun before we went to school. And so he did that, he had a Jeep, and he loved his Jeep. He put all of his money into it. It was beautiful, it was awesome, and he absolutely loved it. So he got his three friends and he headed up the Colorado National Monument. And just before the very first tunnel, he looked back and he glimpsed at his friend in the back seat. And as he did that, he pulled the steering wheel around with him. 
And because of that, his tire began going down a steep cliff. And as it began going down a steep cliff, I imagine what went on in his mind was, what do I do? What's going to happen? How do I fix this? And so he looked at his three friends and he said to them, jump out of the car. Jump out of my Jeep. Let me save you. Hurry, jump out of the Jeep. And so these three kids did exactly that. They jumped out of the moving Jeep, going down the steep, steep cliff. And as they jumped out, Mark didn't have time. So he, he grasped that wheel and he started heading down this very, very steep cliff. And as he did at the very end, it flipped over. And in one moment, a boulder that was right there crushed both of them, the Jeep and Mark. So a bystander, a guy that was driving by, he stopped and he tried to help and he told Mark's three friends, get away from the Jeep, get away from it. I smell gas, you guys will die, you gotta stay away from them. And so that's exactly what they did. I remember the day so well because meanwhile back at home, we got a phone call. And this phone call was from the police and they told my dad, you need to rush to the hospital. And so that's what we did, we got in the car. I still remember the screeching tires and the fast speed that my dad got us to St. Mary's Hospital. And as we arrived at St. Mary's Hospital, they took us deep within the ER into a little room for a family. And they placed us in there and they shut the door and they said to us, someone will be with you shortly. So we waited and we waited and and family arrived, our pastor arrived, and they brought words of comfort and we all hugged and cried and hoped and prayed. And my dad, getting no answers, he began pacing. He was pacing outside that door and every nurse that would walk by, he would look at and he would say, do you know anything? Do you know about my son? What's going on? What's happening? Can you get me a doctor? And no one could do this. And it seemed like an eternity, but finally a doctor came back and they escorted my parents out of this room into the hallway. Our pastor followed them. And as they escorted them, they shut the door. And I remember hearing the screaming of my mother's voice, the cries. And I remember hearing my father say, no, no, this can't be right, no. And so I waited. My heart sank and I waited for what I knew was coming. Just a few minutes later, our pastor walked in to that room and he sat down in front of me. And he grabbed my hands and he said to me, Kimmy, your brother passed away today. He went to heaven. Today he died in a car crash. And at 17 years old, he was gone. He was gone. I wish I could perfectly describe to you guys what my heart felt like, but I would never give it justice. It was pain, it was sadness, it was darkness. The next few days were no better. My family was, 
was hurt and broken. They didn't understand. My other brother came home from college and, and we prepared for all this. My mother sat in a chair for weeks and she held her Bible and she cried and she begged God for answers. She didn't shower, she didn't move. She was broken. My dad, he went to work, he got some hobbies, he buried himself in anything that he could to try and escape this. My other brother, Brad, eventually went back to college and he found anything that would numb his pain. And there I was, this little girl, broken and sad. But any time I would show sadness, it would start this landslide of emotion in my home. And so I didn't want to. I didn't want to cry. I didn't want to show them how broken I was inside. I didn't want to show them my hurt and pain. Because if I did, it made it worse. My perfect, happy, fairy tale home became a battlefield. My parents began blaming themselves. They fought. They thought, you know, if we would have put a roll bar, if we would have grounded him that day, if we wouldn't have let him go, we could have stopped this. We could have saved him. And so, in a month after this happened, I returned to school. And as I walked into school that first day, I remember thinking, I wish I was invisible. Everyone knew. Nobody knew what to say to me, so they would either say the wrong thing, or they'd look at me wrong, or they'd just completely go away. And I remember thinking, why? I got mad at the God that I once loved and I once knew, and I told him, why would you do this to my family? How could you allow such a horrible, awful thing to come into a family that loved you so incredibly much. And so I got away from him. And then the next few years, I, I surrounded myself with the wrong people. I gave my heart and my body and my mind to people that only wanted to hurt it. I was broken, a broken mess, so lost, so far from anything that was good. My parents didn't know how to save me. They didn't know how to get me back. And so I found myself, 16 years old, not living at home, still broken from the death of my brother, and pregnant. And as I had this new reality and this darkness and this brokenness that had followed me, I found myself one night in my little apartment that I shared with a man that wasn't very nice. And after a horrible, awful fight, horrible, in the middle of the night, I got in my car and I was leaving. I was going, I didn't care where I was going, but I was gone to the next thing. A hundred miles an hour in any direction that would take me away from the life I was living. So I get in my car and it's late and three miles down the road, it stops. My car stops. 
no gas, middle of the night, no one's around. Are you kidding me? Could things get any worse? Why, yes, they just did. So I place my head down. At that moment, I began crying. I broke. I talked to the God I hadn't talked to in a long time. I cried to him. I told him what I had been doing. I told him how sorry I was. I told him the awful things I had done, and I told him the the things that I didn't want to do. And I cried. I broke down as my head was on that steering wheel, not having a plan, not knowing what to do. And after I broke, I felt this calmness, this amazing, incredible peace. I can't even describe it to you. And in one minute after that, my door opened. And as my door opened, this older man placed his hand on my back. And as he placed his hand on my back, I looked over and he looked, he looked so nice and he looked so kind and I felt peaceful about it. And he said to me, come with me, sweetie. Let's get you home. Don't be afraid. And so I, I did just that. I stood up in my car and I followed him back to his car. And he, he opened the back seat and he escorted me into it. And as I sat down, I was greeted by this incredible, soft, kind voice of a woman that sat in the passenger seat. And so I felt okay about this. And the man told me, I'm going to turn off your car. I'm going to push it out of the way and I'll be right back. And as he came back to the car, he opened, he got in, he sat down, he looked behind him to me and he said to me, Kim, where do you want me to take you? I was blown away. How could he know my name in the middle of the night? I'd never seen him before. Who was this man? And so I said, just take me to the gas station. I'll call my mom. So we went. There was a gas station about 10 miles up the road. And so we headed that way. And my car ride was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. This woman in the front seat, she told me, God loves you so much. So much. She loved, he loves you. He has plans for you. You're going to do amazing things. And then she told me, your baby is a blessing. But here's the thing. You couldn't tell I was pregnant. You see, I had this baggy old t-shirt and these big old sweats. I was barely pregnant. You could barely see my belly. But she told me, your baby is a blessing. And so we arrived at the gas station, and I, I got out, and I, they gave me a quarter. There was no cell phones back then, guys. No cell phones. So I got my quarter and I headed over to the pay phone and I put it in and I, I dialed my mom's phone number and she hadn't heard from me in months. And this voice on the other side greeted me and she was so happy. The voice was, I will come and get you. See, at this point, she felt like she had lost two kids, not just one. She said, I'll be right there. 
So she got in her car and she headed to the gas station and as she got to the gas station, I ran over to her from those people's car. I had sat and talked with them and they had filled me full of kind words and encouragement. And as I went over, I said, Mom, you will never believe what happened to me tonight. And I said, these people picked me up and she got out of her car and she started to head over and they were gone. They were gone. Guys, this is my story. And it is at this moment in my life that I remember filling God, seeing hope for the first time and an ending to the broken, dark road that I once knew. You see, I believe with all of my heart that my God that loves me sent those people that night to pick me up, to show me I wasn't alone, and to take me home. It's only by a miracle that you can see God so clearly. You see, I could have that night sitting in my car, as broken as I was, I could have gotten madder. I could have been angrier. I could have said, are you kidding me? After all of this pain in my life, now this happens? But I didn't. I didn't. I cried out to the God that had the power to save me. I cried out to the God that had the ability to come and change my situation, to take my broken life and turn it around and use it for his glory. You see, in Isaiah 43, 7, it says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. This time in my life planted a seed. It planted a seed of hope for me to understand exactly who God is. That he didn't just create the entire universe, but that he looked down after making me and said, that is my child. And I have a plan for her life. I have a story to write through her words. I have a story to write through every action she does. My story could have easily been something different. If I would have allowed it, my story would have read high school dropout, pregnant teen destined to do nothing, troubled relationship after troubled relationship, walked away from God, the end, game over. But it didn't do that because I cried out to the one God that had the ability to take that broken mess and make it beautiful. I placed my life in his hands and he began shaping me for his purpose. He began taking my life and changing it so that I could change somebody else's. Now, I started thinking about this and I wonder what some of our 4640 pastors looked like way back when and what the world might have said about them. Are you guys curious about this? All right, so let's take a look. Let's see who we have. Okay, all right, so I see you're having trouble understanding who this is. It's Pastor Joe. 
Yes. So here's exactly what Joe's might have said. Screamo emo of the month. But couldn't commit, so he went to science camp and only learned how to play ultimate frisbee. Right? Good thing God got a hold of him, huh? All right, let's see who else we have. For all of you who can't see who is shining through that, that's Pastor Will. So, I think that Will's might have said, Boy Scout of the Year, but settled for making his own YouTube channel. And he named it Will's Wildwooded Wilderness. You guys agree? Am I close? All right, let's see who else we have. Oh. All right. So the one in the middle, okay, with the bangs, do you see who I'm talking about? This is Pastor Sarah. I think hers might have said, cheer captain. What do you guys think? But I can also see pastor, so I'm pretty sure she did the right thing. Yes. Okay. Do we have anybody else? I don't think so. JL. All right, guys, I'm not touching that one. She's my boss. We're not going there. Okay, but every single one of your 4640 pastors had a predestined, amazing time to meet with God. You see, if he had not gotten a hold of them, who knows what they would have been doing. But sometime throughout their life, he reached them. He put his hands on them and he gave them hope. He filled them with his promise and he sought them out, high and low. In the Bible, there's a story about a lost sheep. And Jesus himself told this story. And it says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. It was within my darkest hour that I cried out to him, but he was already searching for me. I cried out to him and it moved him and he came and found me where I was. He picked me up, he put me on his shoulders and he carried me home. My God did that for me. He gave me hope, he celebrated me, he gave me a desire, and he gave me a promise that my story, my broken world, was now his. And he was going to use it for his glory and his amazement to change lives, no matter what. You see guys, when, when our God gets a hold of your story, your broken mess, he can blow your mind. He can change your world. 
He can take anything and make it beautiful. He has that power. It is not just for the people in the Bible. It's not just for pastors in this church. Because you know what? I was once a teenage girl sitting in the bleachers at Fellowship Church. A broken mess. But he got a hold of me. And his word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So I ask you all, what is your story right now? Are you the 99 sheep that are following him and you know his promises? Are you the one he's searching for? Are you walking in a broken situation and you don't know what to do? Do you have this beautiful fairy tale life that you are living? Or is it not quite a fairy tale? Are your family getting a divorce? Have you gone through an unfair death? Or you're facing an unfair death? Do you have a brother that's lost it? You don't know what to do. What is your story? Are you broken? Are you hurt? Are you depressed? Is your home a battlefield? Whatever it is, the minute you let him know where you are, he's there. He's already searching. He's already looking for you, but you have to bring him into it. You have to cry out and say, this sucks. Take it from me and make it yours and make it beautiful. So I invite you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. You see, it says in Hebrews, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And so I tell you guys right now, please keep your eyes closed, please keep your heads down. Create this space. If you are that one sheep, and right now your world is broken, will you slip your hand up? Nobody's looking. Thank you. Go ahead and put your hands down. Can I tell you something? Look at me. God's got this. He is in the business of changing stories, of mind-blowing, amazing power that you have cannot even believe. He will pick you up. He will show you love. He will give you mercy. He will give you grace. And he will carry you home, celebrate you, and write your story. I promise. Let's go ahead and pray. Close your eyes again. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for those one sheep that raised their hands. And Father God, I pray right now as they took that bold step before your throne, 
that you will take over their story, that you will write the ending, that you will show them your hope. Father God, I lose restoration in this place. I lose healing in this place. I lose peace in this place. And Father God, I pray that you take over in every life, in every student, and you move mountains. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.